Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. King Slime is a production of iHeart Podcasts and Heirloom Media. I just remember this kid walking up to me and he had a gun to my head and I just remember him saying, give me your keys. So I gave him my keys. Jeffrey Williams was not uh, at your car holding a gun to you on the day this incident occurred, correct? That's correct. You have no reason to tell this jury, no personal knowledge that Jeffrey Williams was in any form or fashion involved with your carjacking on that day, true? That's correct. Now, in your knowledge, training, and experience, could someone who was false claiming to be a blood be able to be in the presence of all these other bloods and still be able to throw up symbols and throw up hand signs? No, they would not. Why is that? In gang world, someone false claiming would be subject to um, likely immediate and uh, physical harm or violence for false claiming the gang. I'm George Cheney. And I'm Christina Lee. And this is King Slime. Okay, so we are back to recap. Days 25 through 29 of the YSL trial. And joining us per usual is our executive producer, Tommy Andres. Hey guys, thanks for having me back. And we are also honored to have a very special guest here on this episode. We have Atlanta native, music industry vet, and co-host of the Big Facts podcast. Yes, we're all shedding tears. Baby Jade. Hey, baby Woo. Jade. I am uh, in turn duly honored to be here. Oh my goodness. Yes. What is your connection to Young Thug in this trial? Well, I've known Thug 
for a very, very, very long time. Um, actually, since like before he started rapping. And um, I've been blessed enough to be able to be involved in his musical career and, you know, like a lot of things that he had going on as far as like his rap and, you know, a lot of community things that he's been doing over the years since he started rapping. And um, he's a he's a very, 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 very good friend of mine. OK, got mm-hmm. you. Got you. Um, we're so excited to have you here with yes. your free Jeffrey hoodie that you have made yourself, right? Yes. OK, yes. we have so much that we need to talk about. And so Let's we're really happy it. to have your expertise. Let's get into it. All right. So first, we got to review what's been going on in this trial. So mm-hmm. the prosecution has been spending most of the couple weeks, you know, just trying to establish that YSL is a gang. We've talked about this um, burden of proof that they have. But the three criteria is of the following. They have to show that YSL is a gang, mm-hmm. that the defendants are part of this gang, and that they're committing crime in furtherance of this gang, right? Mm-hmm. And so all this begins with testimony from a woman named Teravia Hill. Uh, Teravia Hill says that in May of 2016, she was carjacked in the parking lot of her Southeast Atlanta apartment complex. There were four men who approached her, and then she remembers one kid, she says in particular, holding a gun to her head. I just remember this kid walking up to me, and he had a gun to my head. And I, I did notice my daughter crouched down behind the bush that was in front of the house. I don't know if it's still there. And I just remember him saying, give me your keys. So I gave him my keys. So all this is like super traumatic for her. Um, she very quickly is able to identify one of the gunmen being YSL defendant Christian Eppinger, right? Mm-hmm. When it comes to cross-examination, the one of the defense attorneys basically says, here's the thing, though. Okay, this is all fine and good. This is concerning Christian Ebinger, one of the YSL defendants. Where is Christian Ebinger in this room? Uh, so, George, what happened to Christian Ebinger, first of all? So, Christian Ebinger has had a, a long, strange trip through this trial, and has his case has been severed out. He's going to be tried separately on the charges involved here. Uh, Eppinger, after he was arrested and convicted for the crime that we're talking about, um, gets out. And um, early 2022, January of 22, he uh, uh, is um, arrested again. Or there's an attempt to arrest him. I mean, he was arrested, but not before he shot a cop six times. Um, He has been uh, in jail ever since, and kind of the clock started ticking on the case with his arrest. It was because there was a 90-day window where he had to be charged with whatever you were going to charge him with. Um, About 90 days after his arrest, everybody else in this case got arrested. Um, Part of the reason he was severed out of the case was because he was in some sort of illicit relationship with a prison guard that itself turned into a thing. His lawyer at one point was accused of uh, allowing him access to social media while he was in the courtroom. Um, He's, uh, and he's combative uh, in jail, at least according to jail records. He uh, tends to not 
not be a person who deals with authority very well. Um, he was also uh, is accused of attempting to or asking for permission to murder YFN Lucci in jail. Like essentially, like there's this communication they say they have between Epiger, like Epiger asking Young Thug, do I have a green light to go after Lucci again? Um, so that's where he is in the case. That's how they've positioned him in the case. Um, Here's my question, though. If they have that communication, supposedly, we've heard about that before. Obviously, we talked about it in our show. Why isn't that what they lead with? Like, why do they bring the woman who, I mean, he was convicted of this crime. So why do they bring this woman to the stand two weeks after she's had a baby, by the way, to get up there and relive this kind of terrible experience? Giselle, why are you crying? Because I hate I have to talk about this. I hate I have to be here and I hate I have to talk about this. And I thought it was something once it was done I'd never have to talk about it again. And every time I talk about it, it just doesn't ever feel like it's real. How were they trying to tie Eppinger to YSL with her on the stand? So I think part of this is because it's been this parade of cops, and cops are going to say what cops say. Like, this person is bad. Please put them in jail. Um, but there are, like, I mean, a, a jury's going to ask questions about whether or not these people are, like, whether or not those police officers or lawyers or whoever you've got on the stand is, you know, doing it because they were getting paid for it. So here's mm. here is a victim. Like, and this is a person, they're hoping to build an emotional connection between the jury and this victim. Right. Saying there are actually human beings who are getting hurt while all of this. This wasn't about some sort of random, like, this isn't music. It's not, this is like, there are live bodies and here's one of them. Yeah, but I, me personally, um, with situations like that and similar, um, removing the victim from it completely because she went through what she went through and... That was a terrible thing for her, like, no doubt. But I just feel like the relevance of it is kind of non-existent because you're trying to tie a crime that an individual did on their own free will to a group of people that you are saying is headed by this one person and... The connection is super thin, for lack of a better way to put it. I get it. Like, I, uh, I imagine that they're trying to lay a foundation down. Like, okay, here's this thing, and then they get to the tie. But it feels like we're losing all of that. Mm, like, I that agree. We're, we're wallowing in extraneous nonsense and not, you know— Factual show me, evidence. Yeah. Show me the money. Yeah, as right. Prophet would say, show me the cop shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to your to your point, Jade, the way that they're trying to establish the connection to this gang conspiracy, this isolated incident, comes very, pretty shortly after that. It's through several dozen social media posts. They refer to it all as tweets, right. but it kind of runs the gamut between Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and so on and so forth. And right. so they'll point to, for example, how Christian Eppinger's display name on Facebook is YSL Briss. And that's significant because it's claiming YSL, but then also switching out the C in his name for a B. But I can show you 
a kid from Japan that just DM'd me saying that he's a huge fan of Thug, whose name is YSL Oko. Mm. So -hmm. does that make them YSL too? Should they be on trial with him as well? Mm -hmm. You know, like, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. They run through pretty much, like, the whole gamut. We're talking about, like, hashtags... You know, Detective Mark Belknap is brought back to basically decipher all of these social media posts and decode the hashtags, this trading out of the C's for the B's and everything. He explains that the hashtag ESPN apparently stands for every slime play nasty. What's the date of this post? April 25th, 2015. And is there a caption? There is. What What is the caption? It says, living life, bro, I'm happy, hashtag ESPN. Have you seen that hashtag ESPN um, before? I have. And have you seen that associated with individuals or members of YSL? Yes, ma'am. And to your knowledge, when it's been associated with YSL, what does ESPN stand for? It stands for Every Slime Play Nasty. But I can't, I'm trying to imagine from like a juror's perspective, just what that is like, because where for every couple dozen of social media posts that the prosecution is presenting to them, Mm -hmm. the defense is coming from the other side and being like, well, we need additional context. Here's a couple more social media posts to add on top of that. And so that probably easily runs like a couple hundred at this rate. What do you think? Speaking, um, not to cut you off, but speaking even about um, the Detective Belknap situation, I was confused because I was in court on all of the days that he testified or whatever. And speaking to his context, um, there was an issue on one of the days where he was started, he started the trial being an expert witness. And then they brought him back as a factual witness. And then they were going to try to save him and bring him back again as an expert witness. But in the beginning of the trial, when they set the precedent, they said that it has to be either or, like you can't do both because it's a conflict of interest. And he was still allowed to testify the following day. And it's just been like a lot of that type of thing going on that in my mind would completely and totally confuse a jury. Mm -hmm. That makes no sense. Absolutely. So I don't know. I saw Bell Knapp yesterday at the courthouse. I've been bouncing back and forth between the Fonnie Willis testimony and mm-hmm. the YSL trial. And I, he and I spoke briefly and mm-hmm. in very, very round ways around the case because he doesn't want to talk about the case right. outside of the courtroom. But it's evident to him that this is going to take a long time. And he was looking around like, I'm still here. Yes, I'm still going back. I mean, I, I frankly, I think he's kind of amazed that he's still on the stand in this trial. How um, often has social media come up in prior gang investigations? Does it of, often show up as overt acts, at least in the state of Georgia? Every time. Every I mean, time. It's, it, at least over the last five or ten years. Like, there's the South Fulton Police Department has a gang investigator whose job is to trawl social media. Yeah. It, like, that's just a thing now. Like, one of Bell Knapp's things is going around to other police departments and training their police departments in how to use social media to figure out what's going on. But I think the difference in this is that um, in all of the other 
gang cases where social media has come up or been used, it's never been the basis or the primary piece of evidence that the entire case for all of these people has been built off of. Mm. Yeah, Mm. that's what's been interesting to me about this because it seems like they spent that first bit of the day talking about this crime that Eppinger committed that he was convicted for. So definitely, I mean, in the eyes of the law, committed this crime. Mm -hmm. And then they do all this social media stuff where they're like, look at all these different people that were doing the same hand signs and were doing the, you know, saying the same things and using the same emojis and try to tie all these people together. But they still didn't do the third thing, which is they didn't ever say that the that Eppinger committed that crime in furtherance of YSL. Exactly. So to me, that sort of makes everything else irrelevant, at least for that particular incident. So that's why I was confused when I was watching this. Like, why? How does how does this carjacking tie in if they're not checking all three of those boxes? Yeah, and then even like with the hand signs and the gestures and all of that, um, when the state presented their evidence about, I guess making the connection when Trontavius was on the stand about how that kind of ties everybody in together and makes them like one unison or like puts everybody on one accord. Then Brian came back and showed LeBron doing it, showed Wayne doing it, showed um, the football guy doing it, showed all of these other successful public figures doing the same thing. So it kind of goes again to context because, like you said, just because somebody has YSL on their name or just because somebody flips their fingers, that doesn't make them a criminal. And that doesn't make them guilty of a crime without evidence. You see what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it's, it's like, I don't know. It's just kind of, it's just kind of weird. And it's interesting because like with all of this discussion about context, context, how much context can we give to this emoji from both the prosecution and the defense side? We end up at a really interesting debate over some mixtape cover art. So essentially in mm-hmm. response to a tweet that prosecution um ended up discussing that featured a snake emoji. Right. Brian Steele brings up the a, a series of tweets that were brought up around the same time mm-hmm. promoting what was just announced as a collaborative mixtape between with Young Thug and Future. The super slimy tape. The super slimy tape. Mm-hmm. And so the series of tweets are up on the screen, including the cover art. And right when Brian Steele is about to, you know, go on to the next thing, Detective Belknap is like, wait, I have some information to volunteer. Their rival gang, ABG, has a Hawk logo that they use on their own clothing and identifiers. As you can see on the cover of this, there is a Hawk skull with a snake, the symbol for YSL, climbing through the eyes of this um, skull of a Hawk. Uh, So if you haven't seen the mixtape cover art, there is a snake and then there is a bird skull. Um, I think a lot of fans have taken for granted that the bird skull is representative of Future's Free Bands logo, which mm-hmm. features an eagle. Right. Detective Belknap, however, said, no, that's not an eagle. This is a hawk. And the reason why this has been significant to detectives is because another gang, ABG, uses a hawk as a logo. And therefore, this is Young Thug calling shots fired over to um, to ABG. And okay. So um, not to cut you off again. Please. Just- Going back into the context of this whole thing, um, around the time that the whole super slimy tape was coming into fruition, um, there was 
a lot of like back and forth about what the name was going to be, what the cover art was going to be, of course, like the songs that were going to go on the tape or whatever. And even outside of like the in-studio internal decision-making, there were also like several covers that were posted on social media that I don't understand if they're so big on social media, why they didn't see that either. Okay. But it was probably, I think, about four or five covers that they posted trying to figure out which one they were going to use and which one they were going to have. And the fans actually selected that particular cover because it represented both Thug and both Future and um, with the things that they were popularly associated with, which was the Eagle for Free Bands and the Snake for YSL. Did you do anything to find out whether that Eagle represents the performer known as Future and his record label? Did you do anything? When we discussed this in terms of the context, um, I provided the context of what I and other investigators observed at this time. And given what was going on on the street outside of um, just these suites and this music, um, was that we were almost three years into a gang war between those two rival gangs. And as I've stated, seeing similar artwork in reverse with a dead snake and the claws of an eagle, um, I think it provides additional context to this image that's on the front of this mixtape. But it doesn't have anything to do with any gang thing. It was the two symbols that were representative, the most popular representation of each artist, and it looked cute on a cover, basically. So hearing this, I am thinking as a listener, how in the heck does she know this? Like, what, like, so give us a little more of your background here. Um, yeah, I primarily uh, sell cigarettes in the bathroom in Magic City to make my money. No, I'm just <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> No, um, I've been doing, like, um, I've been doing my thing in the industry for a really long time. I started out with the Juice magazine, um... When we were doing the magazine, we started out, we were like a small publication. And then I was introduced to Big Meech. And when I was introduced to him, um, he decided that he liked what we were doing and that he wanted to partner with us. And that's how we became like the big magazine that you see today. Um, Can I just pause out and remind our listeners who Big Meech is? Yes. So Big Meech was one of the two brothers that headed up Black Mafia family, right? Correct. Which... They went to prison. There's one of them still in prison. One of them, I think, is out. Right. But for uh, running a cocaine ring, right, right. like a, a cocaine trafficking enterprise, and um, uh, also had a entertainment, entertainment company. Company, mm-hmm. right? Black Mafia. BMF, Black Mafia Entertainment. BMF Entertainment. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Yes. Sorry. Continue. And then, um, so my job for the magazine was I was a salesperson to bring the labels in and the companies to buy advertisements, but I was also a photographer. Well, the photographer, um, along with Wong Valdez from Motion Family. Um, And that's how I really started making a lot of my relationships with a lot of artists and a lot of the industry people because I was out at night in the club taking their pictures that would go in the magazine. So everybody wanted their picture taken because they wanted to be in the magazine. So um, in the process of that, um, 
I garnered a situation um, when Meech got locked up with Young Jeezy. I started working for his label. Um, basically, like, Meech asked him to give me a job when everything kind of, like, fell apart or whatever. I started doing marketing for CTE, which was Jeezy's label. Fast forward, like, eight or nine years later, I started my own company. When I started my own company, um, I was able to do, like, a, a partnership management type thing with Duct Tape Entertainment. Um, that was Alley Boy Trouble, Big Bank Black. Um, they had a few other artists. And from there, I started, that kind of opened the door for me to start working with like major labels. So I, that's what I've been doing like ever since. I've been consulting with major labels, um, doing road management and like events and kind of lifestyle stuff with different artists. And here I am today with the, being a, fucking co-host. Can I curse? Yeah, absolutely. Sure Please. Please fucking do it. Yes, and here I am today um, being a co-host on Big Facts. My introduction into that was kind of funny because, um, you know, me and Big Bank have been like best friends for over 20 years and he was in the process of starting, um, starting the podcast he was like, okay, we because initially we were going to call it the No Cap Podcast, and I was just going to be like behind the scenes, getting the artists doing production, stuff like that. And then uh, we got with Scream. We decided to change the name to Big Facts. So they were, they started the podcast. I was doing production, like getting the artists, helping them get everything together, like behind the scenes. But it was like when they were doing the podcast, all of the artist people would kind of like be talking to me off camera. And like, if you look at it, it'll look like, okay, they're talking to a ghost or talking like to the air. So one day Black was like, bitch, you're not finna keep laughing on the side of my shit. Pull up a chair. <laughs> and then I pulled up my chair and like, I've been there ever since. And like, he's always made sure that I was included and that I was straight. And like, he's a real nigga for that. Like, always. So given all your experience, just behind the scenes, behind the camera to now be in front of the camera. Yes. Like this case is super close to you, not only because you've like, work in relationship with Young Thug, but because Duck Type Entertainment is being brought up, you mm -hmm. know, and big me block mafia family is bring up, brought up as a point of comparison right, to YSL. Right. I was there that day. What do you make of these comparisons? Mm, I kind of, I kind of feel like I kind of feel like it's a reach because of the popularity. Um, but if I was, if I was to attest to the similarities between any of these three groups of people, I would say that it would be their undying loyalty to family. Because like I was telling, like I was telling George, like a lot of people don't understand and a lot of people don't know that, okay, Thug has 11 brothers and sisters. When Thug got his first deal, he bought each one of his 11 brothers and sisters a house and a car so that they could have a stable living place for them and their kids and they could have transportation to get back and forth to school, work, or, you know, whatever, like, they needed to do. And he doesn't really care about people talking about it, but from his heart, that's what he wants to do. So that's why he continues to do it without the notoriety and the publicity. Let's take a break and we'll be, uh, we'll be right back. The wait is over. 
The Shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Welcome back to King Slime. We're joined here by Baby Jade, the host of the Big Facts podcast, and also a just an expert all around on uh, hip hop in Atlanta and uh, and and life here. Um, and you know, I want to start by just asking you, what does the word gang mean to you, as somebody who's been watching this trial and also grew up in Atlanta and you know has had so much experience, sort of in this world that is uh, involved in this trial. Mm. Gang to me, honestly, just kind of means like a group of friends. Like, because a lot of people, a lot of people call themselves a gang or say gang, and they don't mean like a criminal enterprise. They just mean like, these are my friends, these are my homies, like we're a group. So to me, like gang really just means group. Because as far as like Atlanta is concerned, 
in my personal opinion, um, gang culture didn't really become prevalent until recently because Atlanta was really pretty much divided by like the zones and the neighborhoods. Like it wasn't like Bloods and Crips and Vice Lords or whatever the fuck. Like it was, okay, you were from the West side or you were from the East side or you were from zone one or zone six, or, you know, you were from this neighborhood or you were from the bluff or you were from fucking Mechanicsville or Pittsburgh or, you know, like wherever, like that's how Atlanta like separated themselves. And if there was any type of beef or altercation or whatever, then it was called out based upon like the neighborhood or the side of town or the zone, not a color for lack of a better way to put it. So what do you think about, obviously being in a gang, as we've said a hundred times on the show, is not illegal, but right. Like, it's these three things that have to be proven in order for you to be uh, to be convicted of a crime, or, or at least those three things should be met for you to be convicted of a crime. Um, but do you think, I mean, I, I'm just going to ask you straight up, do you think YSL is a gang the way that the prosecution is claiming they are? No, I don't. Anything more you want to add? Or <laughs> yeah, um, because I'm trying to see how to say this. Um, based upon the evidence that they're presenting, the people that they are, well, some of the people that they are accusing of this furtherance, um, in my personal opinion, are not furthering, for lack of a better way to kind of put it. And um, I don't know. I guess we'll just have to see how this all plays out. But um, this this is this whole situation is just really interesting. I, I think I see where you're going with that. Because we were talking about Christian Eppinger yes. before the break. And Christian Eppinger was convicted of an armed robbery, a carjacking, and— Okay, like, and he did time for it. Like, the question here is, was that an act in furtherance of the gang? Can can a man not be left to carjack in peace without dragging his <laughs> friends into it, if you get me? Yeah. Well, they like, never came back to that question, did they? I, I mean, No, I, they didn't. They didn't come back to whether mm-hmm. it was tied to I the think, gang. I believe the defense at least said, like, where, was this ever brought up to the attention of gang investigators? That's probably as far as they went. Right. And, you know, I don't know if I, I don't have the answer to that. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's an important answer. Among other things, like as we were talking with the police department um, and uh, with the, uh, the gang investigation unit at the district attorney's office, one of the things they said is that only up until a few years ago, the police department really didn't investigate gang stuff in like a really deep way. They, um, like each individual crime would be investigated on its merits without a whole lot of effort being put into, okay, this was a gang crime with this gang. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, in 2016, maybe 25% of cases that the district attorney's office would have actually brought as a gang investigation actually started with some police officer writing on a piece of paper, gang stuff. 
And now it's more like 60 or 70%, like, because there's been all of this training where the district attorney's office has said, hey, cops, if you see gang stuff, put it on the paper so that we have some evidence so that in a moment like this, we're not asking questions. Was this investigated? And then cut to break. Well, so what was interesting with the Eppinger thing was I kept waiting for them. They said, okay, he was one of four people in the car. Right. There was the he he came up and put a gun to her head and demanded her car. And then an older person came up to her and put it pointed a gun at her and asked for her purse. So I'm listening to this whole thing. And what I'm thinking the whole time is, okay, these other three people in the car are going to be other YSL members. And that's how they're deciding. That's how they're going to prove that this was a YSL. But they never did that. And they did. They, I don't even. Did they even reveal the other three identities of the the other three people in the car? I mean, I don't believe they did. And so yeah. I was confused. And so if I'm sitting there as a juror, I mean, I'm just trying to put my juror hat on. But if I'm sitting there as a juror, being like, okay, I'm following this. I get it. I get it. And then that doesn't. It doesn't check that final box. I'm like, how am I gonna? I mean, you have to prove this over beyond a reasonable doubt. Right. You're not giving me the tools I need. To be swayed in that that you know I'm, I mean no maybe they get to it later maybe they get to it later but that's the thing with this that's the thing that I think is so tricky oh with God, this trial yes. is like the, when are they going to start doing it's, it's this like, and they only like, have a notepad like, yeah and it's like major breakdowns in communication like they'll go to this one thing and then they'll leave it for two weeks and then try to circle back around to it after it's cold and frozen again and it's kind of like it's is 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 really kind of like you're starting fresh with somebody with no memory because it's been so many things that have transpired in between until it's like, what was, it's like, there's no continuity. And I think that that is another interesting thing or tactic by the prosecution. I mean, if I'm a jury and I'm sitting there for three hours listening to this story about this woman being carjacked and then, you know, we hear all the details. We hear her. You're left with a cliffhanger. Yeah, left, but then I'm never satisfied with with that with a resolution. If it, if it, if it, and you're right. If it comes in ten days, two weeks, three weeks, whatever, the whole point of bringing that woman on the stand is to have the jury have that emotional connection, as you talked about, George. That's gone. Yeah. In three weeks, when we finally get to the supposed, you know, the the tying up the loose end of that. So. I'm just confused by the tactics as I watch this. Obviously, I'm no lawyer, but as as a layperson who could be a juror, I'm I actually have jury duty next week. Like, I'm just like, what is this? Well, I think anybody that watches Law and Order has enough common sense to understand that this is not really the way. Well, this is not law and order, but the law is not law and order. I used to date a, de- uh, a defense attorney many, many years ago, and she used to hate law and order so oh. bad. It's not like how it is on TV. <laughs> I mean, these are all really interesting points because I guess, like, from the perspective of how everything is playing out, I guess, mm-hmm. like, all these social media posts are, su- I guess, being brought up as a logical conclusion or the logical next step to figuring out whether this person— Christian Eppinger is part of this gang conspiracy. And I wonder if the social media portion is also supposed to compensate, I guess, for um, looking at these incidents in retrospect. Because, George, you talked about how, like, gang training has only really ramped up in the past couple of years. And so, like, if the evidence isn't there as in, like, you know, the law and order type shit, is this all they have to bank on? Is it is tweets and 
vlogs, for lack of a better word, all that they have to rely on in order to draw these larger conspiracy connections. I would like to um, imagine because because my thing is and I hate I'm not referring to law and order again, but (laughs) um, usually like in a trial, you come out with a bang like you start off with and you lead with the fucking no brainer, hands down, slam dunk. Yeah. And then go from there and work your way backwards and plant the seeds to this killer piece of evidence that basically sealed the deal from the beginning. Yeah. But if the leadoff is the Instagram post and the tweets, then what else could be, what else could this, what else could follow this up? Yeah. Because this would in a regular person's mind be a follow-up to something bigger. So Mm -hmm. if you're leading off with the follow-up, then what, like, what else could you possibly have? Yeah. You know, what's really interesting is that at the beginning of the trial, um, I guess prosecutors led off with the murder of Donovan Thomas, which everybody says the domino that kind of set everything off, right? Mm -hmm. And so in the beginning, like, we're being presented with this as like, this is the, this was the turning point and everything. Pretty much since then, the only other references that we've even made back to Donovan Thomas are through like these social media posts. So even over the past couple of days or whatever, to bring back up super slimy, when Detective Belknap is like, hey, but listen, there's there's something to this hawk theory, right? They bring up once again, like a social media post. It's literally of somebody wearing a jacket that spells out the word nut life in the back. And then there is a bird emoji. We don't know what kind. Mm -hmm. A bird emoji grabbing a snake emoji on top of it. That's all we have to work on. Versus to your point, Jade, like I thought we were going to get into, you know, who was responsible for renting the car, who was responsible for shooting and things like that. But this is what we're having to deal with right now. Um, And uh, I'm not sure, like like, we just have questions. We just have questions. There was even... um, videos also being presented uh, about like that were supposedly depicting YSL operating as a gang. We're talking about videos dating back through 2009. Mm -hmm. You know, we have Young Thug before he was even known as Young Thug. When he was called Lil Jeff, 2009, Mm -hmm. you know, he's hanging out at a parking lot with his friends wearing the red varsity jacket. White boy swagging. White boy swagging. Lil Jeff said he the king of white boy swagging, right? Stand on white time. Let that lady folks see what you're doing. You know, that's the the show. Yeah. Yeah. That is something that Detective Belknap has to reference. And then there's even a video from 2014 where, uh, it promises to go behind the scenes in the making of Young Thug's Danny Glover. But then prior to that, it just shows him hanging out, I think, on like the deck on the back of somebody's house. Do you remember this? It mm-hmm. was like, he's hanging out, he's walking onto the deck. And then there's just like a whole bunch of people hanging out and they're throwing up hand signs. They got a baby to throw up a hand sign as well. But then that's kind of it. That's kind of it. There's There are guns, there are hand signs. But other than that, that's kind of where the video sort of with your all your background like working in the music industry taking in the tweets and like seeing like what's being presented like as evidence like what's your take on this especially as you're seeing you know detectives like dissecting it like what what's going through your mind as you're seeing all this Mm, I just I think that that there is a humongous ginormous 
breakdown in context because the detectives and the people that are hired to study these things um, have definitely amassed a wealth of knowledge about, you know, street things, gang things, whatever, whatever. But at the end of the day, they're still a lot left to the imagination when it comes to these artists and their creativity. And I believe that's where the breakdown is coming in at because you can take what you know about gangs and what you know about street criminals and all that kind of thing and look at one thing one way. But when you're dealing with someone who's basically, basically whose job is to create and to you know, make their money off of things that are going to make them popular and draw people into who they are as a person and as an artist and as a public figure. Um, A lot can get lost in translation. And I think that's what is going on here because, like I said, these people have expert knowledge, not taking anything away from them. But the expert knowledge doesn't meet in the middle where these artists and these other people are using their creativity to come up with something that would, I guess, describe themselves in a creative manner. Mm. And that's kind of, it's kind of tricky and it's also very dangerous. I'm wondering to what degree what we're seeing in court creates a chilling effect in the community, among artists. Like, how is this changing behavior, do you think? I think that it's definitely making a lot of people think. But at the end of the day, I feel like it has the power to hinder the creativity to a certain extent. Because if you're not able—most most rappers— capitalize off of either the things that they've been through actually personally or things that they've seen in their surroundings. So if you are, like you said, a 20-year-old kid and you're trying to find your way out by doing the rap thing and making trying to make millions of dollars or whatever, and your claim to fame is going to be how you're going to speak to the things that you've seen and the things that you've been through so that other people can relate and buy your music. But if you, on the on the flip side of it, if you do speak to these things and you do speak to the things that you've been through and the things that you've seen and it could possibly get you in legal trouble or it could possibly get you indicted and take you away from your family or put you in a position where you have to try to get money for lawyer fees that you haven't even made yet, you know, is going to make people kind of think twice about speaking on certain things. But at the end of the day, it's kind of like, where is the Fifth Amendment in all of this? Because you should be able to speak freely about whatever it is that you choose to speak freely about without it being used against you if there's no basis of something illegal being done. You get it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There is, um, I guess, speaking of that, there was an interesting point that was brought up by the defense, right? Mm-hmm. 
while viewing one of these videos, you know, Detective Belknap is identifying folks, even folks who aren't part of this indictment, but who yeah, he yeah, believes yeah. to be part of it. There's been of. a lot of that going on, too. There's a lot of that going on. And one of these folks um, raps under the name Olaplea. Mm-hmm. And what was interesting is that when defense reviewed it, I think it was specifically defense attorney Max Shart, he was like, didn't you hear um, Olaplea describe himself as King Slime mm-hmm. in one of those videos? And we have to ask because it's the name of our show, you know, Prosecution mm-hmm. has said Young Thug is the King Slime. But what do you know about the origins of that, I guess, in um, term of endearment? I mean, it's a it's a loosely used term, like, in the hood, because everybody wants to be... Because, okay, technically King Slime is like the King Snake. And to a lot of people that don't have an overt understanding of nature... The snake to them is at the top of the food chain. And every guy in the hood wants to be the big dog or wants to be at the top of the food chain. So a lot of people call themselves that kind of sort of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, if I'm not already, I'm going to be the big dog at the top of the food chain type thing. So it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of like trying to make Jeff the one and only premier King Slime is is going to be kind of difficult because it's so many other people that have adopted that moniker. Mm-hmm. 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 Which is really interesting because, yeah, as prosecution has framed it, like King Slime was supposed to signify like the ringleader of this whole thing, you know, the leader mm-hmm. of this grand conspiracy. The irony is that guy's no longer on the case. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. Prosecutor Don Geary, right? Yeah, is somewhere else. Yeah. All right, let's take another break, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about the hack, and uh, and we'll release some new information that I think everybody will be excited about. The wait is over. The Shy is back on Paramount+, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. 
offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule. You'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX Anniversary Sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Welcome back to King Slime. Uh, we're here with Baby Jade and uh, Christina and George, of course. Now, George, I want to turn to you for a second. There was a hack uh, of Fulton County's computer system. Yeah. Tell uh, me a little bit about what's going on here. So, uh, end of January, last weekend in January, hackers from a group called LockBit 3.0. And this is a group that's been hitting computer systems at companies and organizations and governments, a lot of them, dozens and dozens. So, they hit the county. They'd probably been in the county systems for weeks, pulling documents, anything they thought was interesting or useful. Um, and then they shut the computers down for the county, and they've been down. And they're not back up yet. No. Um, only about a third of the phones are up because everything was on a voiceover IP system. But the key thing for us is the computers at the county courthouse were part of the hack. Um, and so... Even though the the folks who run Fulton County had not been admitting this publicly, like I found the hacker site and I looked and saw what the sort of things they had. And what they had were court records that were sealed. They had uh, like child abuse cases that were under seal. They had uh, secret witness lists. They had snitch lists. They had grand jury testimony. They had medical records that were attached to people's files. They had anything that had gone through the court with the exception of the Trump stuff because the FBI has basically had all of that stuff in a freezer like where nobody can get at it. Um, but the YSL case is there too, including all the stuff that we haven't seen and the jury list and the identities of the jurors. And I was looking at this like, if that jury list is published, that might be a mistrial. Right. Like, at the very least, it sequesters the jury entirely. Like, you live in a hotel until this is done. Yeah. And catastrophe. Catastrophe for everyone, too. I mean, that, the defense doesn't want a mistrial, I would imagine. No, I can't either. imagine. Um, the Judge Glanville is the chief judge of the of the court as a whole and mm -hmm. has, when not dealing with the YSL case, been like in a war room trying to figure out what's going on. And the county, frankly, has not been forthcoming about how serious this was. There was a counter on the website, like the ransomware website, that was counting down to 1247 this morning. Well, I went to go look, 
and all of it's gone. Like, there, there's no nothing on the site that indicates that Fulton County had ever been hacked, which implies Fulton County paid it off. Wow. Like, and, mm. and I don't know how many Bitcoins it was. Like, I think the number was 20, might have been 50. I don't even know. Like, some absurd number. Um, mm. I've asked the county to tell me whether or not they paid it. I've asked the county to tell me whether or not any of this stuff got out in the wild, and they're not telling me. Wow. In the meantime, how much of this do you think accounts for the pace in which the trial has been Oh, the last couple of weeks? Mm -hmm. Like, I guarantee several of the days that we weren't having trial was because Mm -hmm. Glanville was off chasing hackers to the degree. Yeah, he's responsible for dealing with this, right? Yeah. He is the person who's been coordinating the the county's response, or like at the court system. Like, chief judge, he's the one who gets to make those calls. Wow. Mm. But he has been trying to play off, like at least, yeah, like you know, not alarm nothing anybody. Nothing about nothing. it in public, like nothing. Like one day they closed it off because of a COVID. Like somebody, like I think a juror had COVID over the weekend or something like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I'm, I'm just saying, like there's like some of the pace over the last two weeks has been because none of the court systems work. And we've been trying so hard not to harp on just like the length in which this trial is going to take place. But between, you know, just how sprawling the indictment is on top of stuff that is apparently out of their control, whether that's a hack, whether that's a juror catching COVID Mm -hmm. or anything else. I mean, are we still going to be in court until the next Super Bowl? That seems to be the question that comes up every single time, just because for as much time as they do spend in court, it doesn't seem like much progress is being made. No. Talking about security, so there's this other leak. Uh, a few weeks ago, this was a big story where there was a phone call, a jail phone call leaked between Mariah the Scientist and Young Thug. Right. So it's interesting. Like, the the, the YSL case has had hacks in it and, like, weird data issues. Like, where, like, the little Woody tape getting out. Um, or, like, a Zoom bomb where we're looking at guys, like, you know, yeah, Whirling doing some junk, unsavory things. Like, you know, free young thug. And it's happened more than once. Um, but in in this case, with the with the Mariah the Scientist thing, it was they call it a jail call, but what it was was a visit. Like it's a like it's a virtual visitation. Mm-hmm. Um that w- does not appear to have been a hack that looks like it was requested as an open record. Which is something people don't know. Anyone can actually request Things like this. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I could. I didn't, but I could. Like, but say, you don't have to be a reporter, right? Yeah, you don't have to be a reporter. Like, you have to be a person whose identity is known, like, and say, this this record, I want it. Like, you can request jail phone calls. You can say, give me all the jail phone calls for this and such person. I want to listen to them. And I've got a hard drive full of them from other cases. Um, but this is the first time I'd seen a visitation where visitation gets out, honestly, I think that's over the line. Um, I not, agree. Not that I think that young, like, look, if you're a prisoner, you don't have privacy rights. But the people visiting you do. Mariah mm. um, yeah. the scientist is a human being who's been charged with nothing, and suddenly her relationship with Jeffrey Williams is on public display in, in an area which I would say is a very private one. So I asked... 
the the Cobb County Sheriff's <laughs> Office. Tell me who res- requested this piece of information. And because that also is public record. Because that also is public record. And that's the other side of this. Like, if you're going to do something, like, I get Have to— Have the balls. Like, to, to stand up and say, it was me. Well, let me just say, first of all, this created a huge uproar. I mean, there are people—like, Drake tweeted about how he thought this was ridiculously unfair that the jail— that somebody in the jail would leak this call. And everybody, I think, thought that it must be somebody on the inside because they're not really aware of how this open record system works. Right. right. So they were you, saying like some some deputy just hacked it out of the system and sent it to somebody, and that's not what happened. Right. Uh, instead, an email from uh, a blog, and by the way, this I'm reading it, dear blogger Francoise McMillan, um, who apparently is a local writer, a blogger here in Atlanta, made this request on uh, 8-24-2023, asking for the jail, jail records, like, f- around Jeffrey Williams, like, including this one. It looks like, like, according to the Cobb County Sheriff's Office, and we went back and forth for a while, um, because apparently there are a lot of people who are asking for records from the, from the, sh- from the Sheriff's Office. Mm-hmm. Um this is the one that actually resulted in that video, so I am told. We don't know how it got online necessarily, right. but we do know that this person is the one who... Well, who initially got it out of the jail. And right. so the next question is, for her, like Francoise McMillan, what did you do with this video? Did you sell it to she somebody? Did you it. Did you post it yourself under an assumed name and then somebody else picked it up? Like, how did, how did it get out of your hands? And what were your thoughts there? And why? Yeah. Why? Like, why? Because I don't think there's a whole lot of probative value in, like, I don't think we learned something deep and new and interesting about Young Thug. No, it's that Young Thug gave a Christmas gift. Well, and it raises the question, why are these open records? I mean— That's my next question. And and an interesting point that we talked about uh, when we were talking about all this a few weeks ago, uh, just between us, was that if— you know, you would think that oh, if this had relevance to the to the case, maybe it would could be an open record. But no, then it would become evidence and would be right. closed to the public. So, <laughs> like, I get why the sheriff's office and investigators would want to be able to see all of this stuff. Sure, like because you don't want somebody like say go kill somebody. Like, hey, I'm meeting with you and it's private, and so I'm going to tell you to go whack someone. Like, you right. you really don't want that to be possible right. for anybody. Like. But if that's not what's happening, then don't get me wrong. Like, I am an advocate for open records, like, bar none. I'm the guy who's going to stand up and ask for the record nobody else should should look at. Like, but I'm always going to have a really good reason. Like, I think yeah. this deserves, uh, like, a serious public conversation. Yeah, I mean, it's an ethical quandary. I mean, we knew exactly. the whole time that we could exactly. request this stuff. Yeah. And we never did. Because what would we do with it? I mean, it's, you know, that's not something that we can make an episode out it's, of. It's, it's like awfully weird. Like, yeah. what's the, what's the, I, I don't know. I don't know. That's just, that's kind of like, um, even though I know it's public record and, you know, like when you are incarcerated, you relinquish your rights to a lot of things. But like George said, like the people that love you, they do have rights. And that's, that's, 
that's that's not that's not cool. The one other thing here for me is that Jeffrey Williams has not been convicted of a crime. Right. He is sitting in jail. He's awaiting charges to be resolved one way or another. And so I think there's a moral distinction to be made between, like, because he, like, jail is coercive, like, you don't have privacy. Mm. Like, it's another thing if he's, if he's a person who's been convicted of a crime and is mm-hmm. serving a sentence, and you pull that jail record and you pull that phone call, that's, I think there's a moral distinction to be made there. But this man is innocent until proven guilty. And who am I to take advantage of that under these conditions? So it's not a form of jail misconduct, technically, as Drake accused, but it definitely hits on some moral gray area. Yeah. Among many other things in this trial. For sure. Francoise McMillan, tell us what the heck this was about. Yeah. Send, drop us a line. Come on the show. Yeah, we want to know, Miss (laughs) Ma'am. Miss Ma'am. Is there anything else that you feel like we should be looking out for in the coming weeks? I mean, among other things, we have like one defense attorney who wants out on this whole thing entirely. Yeah, Little Rod's attorney, right? Mm -hmm. Angela DeWilliams. And that's actually who, um, that's why they're not having court today because they're doing some motions for him. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. And she's basically just making the claim that this is getting way too unaffordable for her, right? I mean, she's been saying that she's been saying that for a long time. Is that the one that said that she would make more working at Chick-fil-A? OnlyFans. I think she, well, she might have said Chick-fil-A too, but she also talked about selling pictures on OnlyFans to make ends meet. (laughs) Yeah, she's been looking to the gig economy. So I have a question about that. Um, Yeah. If, if an attorney or if like a, a public defender was to go the OnlyFans route, would that be a conflict of interest or is that legal? Oh man, I don't know if that's a question that we could answer. We should definitely look into that though. I feel like it I would probably ask be a lawyer. But I feel I, like it'd be legal, probably frowned upon, but that's exactly right. <laughs> legal but frowned upon. You're not supposed to create the appearance of impropriety. And the yeah. question is this is this an appearance of impropriety? Like just limit it to your feet, you know? Then you're good. <laughs> Unless you have improper feet. No, I have, a, I have a friend. No, I have a friend. She makes a lot of money on her feet. Yeah, she makes a lot That's of a money. Thing. Like it's a, it's like a, a fetish thing for some people, and she gets paid. Like she gets paid a lot more than a lot of people that like expose their entire nakedness. Like. It's it's really interesting. Whatever works. No kink shaming from me. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Right. We love you all, whatever you're into. (laughs) Well, I feel like that's the perfect note to end the show. Right? Yeah. You know, we got there. We we started, we got all the way to to OnlyFans feed pages. Um, Well, thanks for listening this week. Uh, We'll be back in two weeks. We're every other week here. And uh, if you're listening to this on the podcast feed, know that you can watch this on the iHeart YouTube page as well. So we'll be on, we're on video as well. King Slime is a production of iHeart Podcasts and Heirloom Media. It's written and produced by George Chidi, Christina Lee, and Tommy Andres. Mixing, sound design, and original music by Evan Tyre and Taylor Shacoin. The executive producer and editor is Tommy Andres. Our theme music is by Dundeal. 
Special thanks to Carl Cadel. For more shows from iHeart Podcasts, visit the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Ocean by H10 Hotels and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.